founder of Crave, is the winner of the stalk covered episode of Aldi's Next Big Thing flighted on Channel 4, which secured him a listing in the UK supermarket for his allergy-friendly crisps, pickled onion monster feet, and smoky bacon streakers. After a successful presentation to the Aldi team, Crave was selected as one of the two category finalists. The next stage of the process required him to come up with a brand new product, complete with packaging design within two weeks. Crave's new product development resulted in a maze with a flaming hot flavor called What's In It, which of course are gluten-free, lactose-free and vegan, and designed, much like Pitos, founded by Nick Desai, to take on the big name brands with better for you options. We chatted to Rob to find out more about Crave and the Aldi competition and how it has changed his brand's trajectory. Firstly, tell me, how did you start on your snacking journey? Um, so my snacking journey, my background has always sort of been in food. I've always wanted to work in food since I was fairly young. So um, I started off as a chef, sort of began way, way back. Um, started off as a chef working in London, sort of disillusioned, got a degree and sort of got into the food development technical side with retailers at that point. Um, mm-hmm. So it's always sort of been in food. Um, I've worked for uh now probably 14 years for myself as a food consultant um working for retailers or tesco's uh co-op uh m&s i'm just trying to think co-op m&s sainsbury's yeah um and as a consultant sorry what were you advising yeah so lots of different things it would be like for instance i developed all of m&s's M&S's party range one year so April got me in to sort of revolutionize their party range okay. Tesco's it was all technical I launched a new supermarket so it was in the sort of development and technical side but I'd always had this aspiration uh, sort of as a kid um, to, to own my own food brand um, I'd always wanted like a restaurant I suppose at one point um, but it was always to have this brand um, I don't know what didn't know what it was at the time or um, what it would look like, what it was making, but I had this sort of aspiration um, to do something like that within food, and it's always been the same. Um, and that's sort of where it started, really—just the love for food, for feeding people, and things like that. Okay. So why snacks? Why not? Um, why not mainstream food? Yeah, yeah. So we, so Crave was sort of born out of working at uh, Tesco's. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked after free from uh, from a technical and development point of view, and uh, there were lots of gaps in the market um, when we were trying to look for suppliers. What we ended up finding was everyone's range was fairly similar because everyone sort of did the same thing. And I suppose I became a little bit disillusioned, um, like for my teams and stuff, that they're struggling to get just like normal foods. Everyone had the same things, lots of like quinoa and potato this and what we were getting told by customers was they just wanted normal food. So that's sort of where Crave was born. I'd always had the idea. I wanted to start off in chocolate and snacking. Um, So that's where we started off as a brand. Chocolate, the market was flooded. But unfortunately, as Crave was self-funded, to actually produce the snacks as I wanted them, 
mm. meant uh, there was some tooling involved. So it took me, it just took me longer to sort of save up for the tooling for the snacks. But okay. I always thought there was this sort of latent gap for just normal free from snacking products. So people love snacks, uh, whether it be sort of on Friday night in lunch boxes, wherever it is. Um, and there are these big brands out there that are sort of churning out snacks. We go into the factories and stuff, but there was nothing really from the freeform point of view like that, like these big iconic snacks like Monster Munch, What's It, Quavers, Skips, and mm-hmm. these sorts of things. Um, a lot of the stuff that was in freeform at the time were tortilla based, all the tortillas, essentially the corn, they should be sort of freeform if you're doing it properly. Um, so it was actually, there was this gap in the main estate for these iconic classic snacks that had wheat, milk, and things like that in them. Well, talking about that, tell me more about your snacks. Um, What is their base? Yeah, so they're maize base, they're extruded. Um, So yeah, a maize base, and then uh, the flavors and stuff, we work with flavor houses directly just to make sure um, that we're getting the best sort of flavor we can on them. Um, we've looked at and sort of been through various different guises of like shapes and things. And we've tried um, a couple of other different um, sort of shapes for the mainstream sort of thing around skips and stuff and quavers. Um, but we settled on the, the monster feet and the streaker. Are the snacks H F S H combined? <laughs> no, they're not. I think this is one of the, this is one of the really difficult things with snacks because of the nature of how we produce them um, and being extruded. They're not fried, so they are inherently healthy in terms mm-hmm. of the actual base material. What we tend to suffer with um, is from the flavour point of view and salt. So um, the brand itself. Um, we're not looking to be inadvertently sort of healthy, pushy around health, etc. Um, okay. We have looked at HFSS. We are looking at it, but I'm not going to say we're going to go down the HFSS route because okay. one of the things we're all about, we're all about flavor. We're all about taste. Uh, and for me, like with the snacks and our snacks have shown that and you see from the show, there's no reason they shouldn't be as good as the standard equivalent. Um you shouldn't need to have a freeform version, a normal version, because I think we've shown you can do it all in one hit. So w- we wouldn't jeopardize um, that sort of flavor delivery over anything else. We want people to be able to enjoy them. And why the whimsical image? Is that targeting a specific demographic? Yeah, it's just something It's just something we came up with uh, sort of from a, a branding point of view from uh, the outset, really, um, mm-hmm. was to all work, I think as a brand, because of the sort of freeform side of it and what we were looking to do, a lot on the freeform side is quite medicinal or really lifestyle-y, uh, and we just wanted to be a bit different. So the packaging, and you'll see sort of some of the MPD, MPD stuff next year, it's always bright, it's always bold. We'd always said we'd have this sort of like hand-drawn um, element to it to make it a little bit playful and a little bit fun. Um, and that would always remain. So you could almost tell straight away that they were Crave products because of that and because of the colour. How did you get involved with the Aldi competition? Um, so it came across on a, um email update from the grocer. And I sit on the laptop, so had, a, had a read of what they were doing. I'd been aware that it had been going in Ireland for a few years and sort of said a company by a TV show, etc., 
because I, I kind of thought I might as well go for it. I had nothing to lose sort of thing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from reading it at the start, and I actually put this in the application because it was all sort of online and there were a couple of different processes to go through. I said straight away that we were a brand as opposed to like a small scale up supplier because from the online sort of application and what I was reading, I thought they were looking for uh, more artisan products being made at home, etc. Um, we have all of our products made by third party manufacturers because of what we do. Um, it's all BRC. So it was literally just filling in a, a form online um, with some product details and it was one of these things where you get another form come out, speak to someone else. All of a sudden, I was having a chat with a film crew online, sort of an interview mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and it sort of snowballed from there, really. And how has winning the competition mm. changed your life? Uh, it's been manic. Like, <laughs> that, that that night, it's slightly bizarre because we obviously knew it was coming. Um, mm. We were, like, scrambling around to sort of get everything together for launch, etc. We were confident we could hit everything. Um, and wouldn't have a problem from that point of view but we had been talking to retailers um, outside of Audi about um, launches and snacks and people have shown a lot of interest but it's just sort of superseded all the conversations um, and speeded everything up uh, we've mm-hmm. had some great media coverage in the grocer etc like social media and stuff um, right. it's bit I keep saying to, to people when they sort of ask it's sort of a money can't buy opportunity really um slightly surreal to be on a, a, a channel four like prime time slot to promote the brand it's right. mental so um yeah it, it's been amazing so what did you win with the aldi competition what is the total order and is it yeah. a once-off or is it a repeat so yeah it was a one-off sort of special buy it changed a couple of times through and if i'm honest um, we didn't. We weren't actually aware. It wasn't actually really listed at the start. You said you'd get a listing if you won, but it didn't say for how long or how right. many. So we weren't quite sure. Like me having sort of worked in the industry, I thought, oh, they're going to put me in for like a couple of months. Yes. Um, but it was a special buy. Um, it was fifty-two thousand units. Wow. Um, okay. So yeah, fairly significant. Uh, for, it's our biggest order to date so far, and also in one hit as well. So it all went in. So um, what happens? The show airs on the Thursday. The winner gets announced and nine o'clock sort of show ends, winner's announced. The next morning, product goes into store, but it's only in store for seven days. Um, So it sells through by the time the next episode's on. Um, So we were last week, I think the last episode was last night. Um, So yeah, we've been super fortunate. I think the buyer reported back over the weekend, we were the fastest selling of the winners they'd had so far. And we'd sold the most over day one and day two um, of sales. And I think we sold out I think mid this week. Um, That's so, fantastic. Yeah, amazing. So do you think this will end up in a repeat order? <laughs> yeah. So we, we went to store on the Friday, had a chat with the buyer. Um, there's definitely some opportunities for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same sort of vein special buy um obviously the what's in it we developed for the the show sort of thing um we just couldn't turn it around in time from the end of filming to sort of production and making it all happen so it would be nice to see that on an audi shelf next year talking about your what's in it 
Um, is this designed to take on Walker's Watsits? Yep. Uh, have have yeah. you heard of Nick Desai, the founder of Pitos, and his no, approach in challenging Frito Lay's Cheetos and Funyuns? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll have to I have to look at that because I haven't, but it's the same sort of it's the same sort of vein, really. So okay. <clears throat> there are all these products that are out there, um, and you look at some of the snacks, some of the big guys. They're they're probably allergens in. They don't need to be. A lot of them are in the seasonings, but. Uh, the snack when you've been to these snack factories there's massive volumes coming out of these uh, lines so slowing it down to make them free from and things like that and testing them they're not really into so Mm -hmm. there's a gap in the market for that by the nature of everything over the last couple of years but vegans taken off massively so essentially we we're a free from brand um, but we're vegan as well because we don't contain any milk egg we'll never contain any animals and stuff like that Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. It's part of our, uh, USP, I would say to, um, imitate other well-known brands. You contract out the production of your snacks. Will you maintain this model? Yeah, I think so. The, the thing for Crave is that, um, what I've seen, uh, from the industry around free from vegan and stuff and the opportunities we're not staying exclusively in snacks. Um, mm-hmm. We're moving into other areas. The thing is, with everything, I want to have the best and the experts in doing that. Um, it would take a lot longer for us to set up, buy machinery, buy kit to produce that ourselves. So, yeah, we'd always look to, to third-party produce. There may be some bits that we're working on at the minute behind the scenes that we sort of enter into a joint venture where – in terms of there's no one out there that can do it for us and it's but first to market mm-hmm. it's a it's fairly significant if we can deliver it um not in snacks in a different area but yeah it would be third party generally going forward so what's in the pipeline you mentioned moving beyond snacks yeah well we can't say too much so but it's it's in lots of uh, it's in areas probably you wouldn't expect Chock, we are again going to sort of revisit. We've got the chock bars, but as I say, the market's quite saturated. Mm-hmm. With all of this, just think uh, big, iconic products and brands. Um, and then essentially, we are going to look to emulate them. People like them, people love them. That's the whole reason. Like, people have their favorite pack of crisps, people have their favorite chocolate bars. And for me, it's always just seemed a little bit unfair that not everyone can eat them. Like if you've developed an allergy intolerance or you've sort of uh, chosen to lead a vegan lifestyle as you've uh, grown older, you'll have had all these favourites that probably you can't eat anymore. Um, So, yeah, there's a couple of store cupboard staples in there as well in terms of spreads. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's exciting stuff. What, in your opinion, is the current state of the snacking industry and how do you see the landscape evolving? I think it's quite difficult at the minute because of HFSS right, and everything, and everything else uh, that's coming in. Because obviously there's this latent sort of obviously health. People are really concerned about health. So there's lots of people. I think that will continue. There's lots of people moving down that route. HFSS is pushing people down that route. So I think there'll be a lot more growth in um, sort of different bases and things as well. You look at the new Pringles, whole grains and stuff that are coming out and people experimenting with things. You've seen like 
the success of Eat Real over the last couple of years and lentil chips and stuff like that. Um, who's to say we won't have insect crisps um, in a in a sort of a years or two's time? <laughs> but I think it's going to continue down this health route next couple of years, definitely as people sort of switch into it. But I've always thought people want health but at the same time people want indulgence so it's mm. there's always going to be the the classics out there that people want to buy into in terms of like your your, your crisps your walkers and your hand cooked crisps and stuff like that what is your five-year plan for crave um well it's still super early for me it is to establish us as a brand within sort of retail that's instantly recognizable um, we're starting off in sort of free from and vegan aisles um, with retailers, but it would be to establish itself as a brand across the supermarket in standard aisle as well. I don't. I think over the next couple of years, there's no reason why um, we can't move into standard aisles and be merchandised, especially with the snacks and things, alongside the bigger brands, your Walkers, your Kettles, and people like that. Right. Um, I like families and stuff to be able to go in and buy one pack of crisps, one pack of like monster feet um, that the whole family can eat. And they're not having to buy sort of a pack um, for someone because they're vegan or someone different because um, they've got an allergy and intolerance. So yeah, definitely retail has always been the key for us. Um, okay. Establish ourselves in retail, but it would be establish ourselves in retail across lots of different areas in the supermarket. What advice would you give others wanting to get into the snacking space? Um, don't give up. Uh, uh-huh. it's, su- it's super difficult out there. Um, if you've got a brand and a product, if it's a snack, if it's whatever it is, really, um, keep going. The thing is, I suppose, with snacking is the big brands are so powerful especially in sort of main estate, the space mm-hmm. is super tough. There's only so much uh, supermarket shelves can sort of stretch. So you've got you've to gotta have something that really stands out. It's got a point of difference over sort of everything else. With us, I suppose, with Free Form and Vegan, it's fortunate in a way that there's almost like a separate category, well, there is, in the supermarket where we can be merchandised. Um, right. But it's that standout. It's doing something that's a little bit different um, than the other guys um, that's offering that USP to the customer or to the retailer. So then what, in your opinion, is the next big snack? It, it seems there's definitely around, um, and don't get me wrong, it's not huge, but the premium end of things. Right. Um, and more sort of tie-ups. You've seen like Walkers and KFC and stuff. Um, I really like stuff like that where you're getting a couple of brands coming into things and taking flavours that are really well known, like a Domino's pizza onto a crisp and stuff like that because people already resonate with that sort of thing. Um, so for, for me, it, for me with snacks, it's all, always been around flavour. Mm-hmm. Um, technology in terms of bases and stuff and extrusions and things um there's always like fun stuff to be done with um different sorts of bases and vegetables and stuff sort of we've seen with hummus and things like that so um yeah i don't know that's a tough one for one single big snack for my listeners can you just uh, explain a little bit more about the timeline in terms of 
when you were actually involved with the oldie competition and mm. when it was um, screened, when when it was flighted. Um, mm. Carrie was pregnant at that stage. I believe yes. Finley has been born. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably like from when Carrie was involved, it was probably from that point sort of the final to delivering uh, onto the shelf, probably three months. Um, and right. then probably prior to that, another three months to starting the actual process. Um, so, yeah, from start to finish, I would say just over six months because okay. um, obviously entering the, the competition, there's a process of elimination and going through everyone. And then because of the TV, I think obviously it, it makes everything a bit longer. Right. Filming-wise, we had probably four solid days of filming. Um, and it's interesting because we hadn't seen the final edit before it arrived. So there was so much stuff that we filmed, like complete days, complete, mm -hmm. like designer came down. We looked at stuff, the factory and things. And we took the snacks out onto the streets with Anita and we got people to taste them. Um, so there's lots wow. I didn't see. But yeah, probably a, okay. a six month process. Well, thank you. Rob, is there anything more that you'd like to add? Uh, no, just I think just anyone listening, if like you said, in terms of brands and stuff and they've got a dream about wanting to do something, just just keep going. Just keep whether it's a snack, whether it's uh, a ready meal, whatever you're doing and you believe in it, just keep pushing, keep going. There's so many times when you get knocked back um, and you just never know what opportunity is coming. So, yeah, that would be my uh, sort of piece of advice.